our scripture for us today. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This is the word of God. A few weeks ago, I was out to dinner with some friends, and our conversation ranged, uh, covered a broad range of topics. But as I went away from that dinner, I realized that we were all wrestling with some pretty big questions. One friend who was there that night had just quit her job without another one lined up. She'd been feeling really burnt out, but now she was wondering what she was even good at or what kind of job she would do next if she really had anything to offer. Another friend at the table is going through a crisis in her marriage, and so she's wondering if her marriage is going to survive this crisis and what the future will look like regardless for her and her daughter. Uh, we're all about the same age, and so we spent some time at this dinner talking about how we don't look or feel as young as we used to. And though this question didn't come up explicitly, you could tell underneath that we're all kind of asking this question of um, what about the messages from advertising? Are those true? Are we really going to become less relevant as we age? And as I thought about these conversations, I found myself really wanting the gospel to inform these questions. I wanted my belief in God and my hope in Christ dispel these challenges, but it almost felt like there was this huge chasm. On the one hand, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the good news of the gospel, but on the other hand, I didn't see how that good news really spoke into any of the questions there that night, and it felt like there was this big gap, and I didn't know what to do with it. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like the good news of the gospel that we're now reconciled to God through the death of Jesus should seem like better news or somehow like more life-changing news. But somehow we get into this place of coming to church, perhaps going through a few emotions, or maybe that good news just gets locked in our head but seems disconnected to what we do every day. Well, today we're going to talk about the gospel, the good news, and we're going to try to figure out how to bridge that gap between knowing the good news and our everyday lives. But before we do that, I actually want to back way up. Uh, so bear with me. We are in the third week of a series that we are doing um, about making the kingdom of God tangible in our lives and the lives of others. And now I'm a big picture person, and so if you're like me, it's sometimes helpful to see like all the pieces together before we zoom in and talk about a particular piece. And so um, I'm going to take just a couple minutes to back up and look at the big picture. The question at the center of the series is how do we 
church to kind of get those questions answered. And I know that's true in my life. I went to church as a child, but then in middle school and high school and college, just didn't go. But at the end of college, I started having some questions again, so I wandered back into church, and it was there that I experienced God and decided that I wanted to be active in my faith. But our culture is going through a big shift, and maybe you can feel it. Things that used to work don't really seem to be working anymore, and that's certainly true in church. It doesn't really happen in the same ways that it used to happen a generation or more ago. And so in the last few years, different pastors and church leaders have been getting together. They've been having these conversations about what, how to lead churches in this new cultural shift that we're experiencing. And one of the thought leaders of those conversations is a guy named Hugh Halter. He co-wrote the Tangible Kingdom Primer, which the spring small group here at Renew went through and which has also been kind of a reference we've been using for this series. And um, Hugh Halter is, has been a pastor and a church planter. In other seasons, he was a house painter. He's a writer and um, a speaker. And he will tell you that people now, even in the midst of this huge kind of shift we're experiencing, are still interested in Jesus if and when people are able to talk about Jesus in a way that is and he also found in his experience as a pastor and a church planter that doing kind of a rhythm of party or having fun, serving and praying within the context of, the com of community was engaging both for people inside the church and for people outside. Now, by no means is this kind of some magic formula for like uh, growing church plants. But as Dave and others like looked at a lot of different things going on, this rhythm seemed like a compelling and practical way to engage people in Seattle. And so, and it also, this rhythm resonates really deeply with what we see Jesus doing throughout the Gospels. And so Renew is going to be implementing this rhythm, and in fact, it's already started with the different things going on this summer, of having a time of partying or having fun or playing together serving together and praying together for one another. So that's kind of the rhythm and the backdrop, but sometimes I feel like it's helpful to kind of hear a story of how it all comes together. And so I'm going to tell a story about how one guy named Steve came to be a part of a church that he was the pastor of in Denver a few years ago. So Steve's story starts at Starbucks. Hugh Halter's wife had been working there new guy named Steve was hired, and so she got to know him a little bit and then called Hugh and said, hey, I think you need to come get to know this guy at Starbucks named Steve. Hugh goes to Starbucks, gets some coffee, starts talking to Steve, and asks him how he came to be a barista at that Starbucks. Steve mentioned that he had been working at a golf pro at this golf course down the road, but that he had been laid off, and consequently, he and his wife were having financial problems and so marriage problems. And so he said, well, I'm actually a marshal at that golf course. Do you want to go golfing? I can get us in for free. And so Steve agreed, and they went golfing and started this friendship together. Time went by. They continued to go golfing. Hugh invited some other Christian guys in, so they also got to know Steve. 
all teed up and was like, Hugh up and was like, hey, what was the story there? Why were you all hanging out? What were you doing? And he said, well, twice a month we get together, we study the Bible and pray for one another. And Steve said, so like, what is that? Not open to the public? <laughs> and he was like, no, it is. Anyone can come. And Steve said, well, why didn't you ever invite me? And he said, well, I just didn't think you'd want to come. And he goes, maybe I do. And so Steve and his wife had started coming. They never, like, prayed. They just sat there, but they let the group pray for them. And now we're integrated into all parts of the rhythm of this community. A few months later, the men in this community went skiing, and on the way back, Steve started asking Hugh some questions. He said, do you and your wife ever fight? Because I've never witnessed it. And he said, oh, I'll tell you what, at the beginning of our marriage, it was really bad. We fought every day. We talked about getting divorced. And Steve said, well, how did you get out of that? And he said, well, I'll tell you that whole story, but it includes a lot of stuff about Jesus. Are you okay with that? And Steve was like, yeah, I want to hear it. And so he told him the whole story about how Jesus forgives uh, sins and was like an integral part of their marriage um, continuing on. And after the story, he asked Steve, you know, you've been a part of our community for a long time. You've heard a lot about Jesus. What do you think about this now? And do you think that Jesus could play a part in kind of fixing the things in your marriage and your life that need to be fixed? And Steve said, yeah, I do. And so he said, well, what would you tell God if you talked to him right now? And Steve was like, I guess I'd tell him thanks. And he was like, okay. And then Steve said, am I supposed to do that here, like right now in the car? And he was like, no, that'd be weird. But go home and have this conversation with your wife and have that conversation with God. And that's what happened. And over time, their marriage began to experience a lot of healing. And um, as it turns out, Steve had this uh, kind of porn addiction he was working on. And that also started to see some resolution. Of the marriage problems. And but the beautiful part was at the point point that they got to this, they were already integrated in this into this community of people that had fun together and served together and prayed and supported for one another. Now obviously not every story is going to be like this. Again, it's not a formula, but I think it's helpful to kind of see a big picture of like what all of these little pieces could work together to be. And certainly, you know, in his time as a pastor of this church in Denver, he, he funded many people. Not all of them ended up becoming part of their church or becoming Christians later, but some did. And what I love about this story is that it happened kind of in the context of everyday life. You know, it happened as Hugh Halter was drinking coffee and playing golf and going to dinner parties and going skiing. And that's really appealing to me because I'm good at drinking coffee. And I love dinner parties, and I'd be glad to go skiing. And so I think there's this part of that big picture that feels really appealing to me. And at the and in the midst of that, they're getting to spend meaningful time with one another and getting to play a meaningful part of making the kingdom of God tangible in the places that they already are. So um, that's the 
Walter's wife who working at Starbucks knew she wasn't just helping to pay their bills or to make coffee, but that she was sent by God into that space. And as we're sent, it means that people like Steve get to meet Christians who start to care about him and his wife and his marriage. Last week, Dave talked about being incarnational. You know, in this story, it's not really helpful for you to introduce himself to Steve, learn shortly there later that Then there's a subtle shift. I don't know if you caught it. 
it. So first we have um, this kind of proclamation, these acts of service, and then it's a subtle shift. So the people who've heard those proclamations and have received those, that freeing and the binding up of broken hearts, a shift and a change happens within them. There's now bestowing on them beauty instead of ashes, and joy instead of mourning, and praise instead of despair. So the gospel doesn't just kind of put a band-aid on something or fix people where they are or stop at a proclamation or a service, but it actually then takes root and begins to change those who experience it. And what they get is this, this these three insteads. Instead is this word that's repeated. It's this sign that there's like a shift and a change that's happening within people who are hearing this proclamation. But that doesn't end there either. It goes on to say that then they will be called oaks of righteousness. Um, they will rebuild ancient ruins, restore the places of devastation, and renew ruined cities. So then as after this and as this shift happens, then they get to be part of the people that then are proclaiming and serving and part of the tangible acts of God's kingdom. And so the gospel to just think of it in, in one of those slices would be incomplete because it's this kind of holistic transformation of what happens. The gospel is God's power to save us, but it also gives us our purpose as God, keep a part of God's family. The tangible power of the gospel is meant to touch down in our everyday lives. So now we have to go back to my original question, this dinner with these friends, we're all these Though that is all true, and though I think many of us, either now or coming in today, kind of already had the sense that that was like what the gospel was or how it was supposed to work, there's still this question of like how it actually comes together in everyday life. And so I think, speaking of the next slide, I have three suggestions for us as we try to kind of bridge that gap. And the first suggestion is to spend some time remembering. Uh, I will be honest, 
students when we were on staff who I had gotten to be mentors for. And so to see all of those places and to be to those faces and to be back in that room was a remembering moment for me. I, re I remembered how tangible the word of God was in those moments. And I remember how tangible those relationships were and how um, transformative they were for my life and faith. But I needed to take time to remember The second thing I think we can do to kind of bridge that gap is just to, to, to look more for um, what God is doing in everyday life, to see where the gospel is in action, to look for where the broken hearts are that need binding, to where the captives are that may need freedom, to where people who are mourning or in despair may need some joy, to look for the places that need renewal, and to ask, how is God working? How is the gospel in tangible ways in those places. And actually, Saturday, Dave is coordinating a time of going to Lipton Springs Village, which is a mix of tiny houses and some tent living that's designed to be a safe community for people coming out of other crisis living situations. And this is going to be a great time to see Isaiah 61 lived out. It's not only can, will we be providing
answer some questions. Um, I would love to have, create some space where you can think about, you know, maybe like my experience going to celebrate our old coworker. Where is the last time you felt God um, working in a tangible way, or experienced that, or saw that? And if it's hard to remember that, then I would recommend just even going back to the moment where you decided, okay, this is the God that I want to serve, and what were the circumstances around that moment? Um, again, following that, um, I encourage you to take this time to pray that God would open your eyes to the gospel in action around you, and then to continue praying by asking.